I read comics, show number 48. month is this? Is it April? How did that happen that it got to be April already? Oh my God. So a long overdue podcast and you're not going to hear very much from me this time because I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to finish any of the books I started reading, things that I bought at WonderCon and just stuff that I got and things that people gave me. So I'm reading like five different things and I'm finished with none of them. So they won't be reviewed today. However, I have something else for you, which I've been meaning to put up for a really long time, even longer ago than WonderCon. And it's a recording of a panel that was done at the New York Comic Con, which was um, February 24th of 2007. And this was recorded by David Arroyo of the Comic Makers Podcast. Thank you, David. He always does the nicest things. And the reason he recorded it um, was because it was a women in comics panel, and he thought that I might be interested in it. And he did a great job. It's, It's really good, much better than I could have done because I have no facility with recording things live. Uh, Heidi McDonald was the moderator, and um, there was, let's see, one, two, three, four other women who were there, Colleen Doran, Amanda Connor, Svetlana Chmakova, I think I'm pronouncing that directly, and Rivka. Those last two artists mostly do manga, and I'm not really familiar with their work. I think there were supposed to be some other people there, but that was the panel, and the title of the panel was We've Come a Long Way, Four Generations of Women Cartoonists, and I don't think it quite turned out to be four generations, but that's okay. It's a really interesting panel. I think Heidi did a great job moderating. All of the women have very interesting things to say about comics in general and about their history with comics, how they got into it, and some of the issues they think uh, facing women in comics and also a little bit on the portrayal of females in comics. So I think it's it's really interesting. I wish I had been there to listen to it and... Um, there were panels at WonderCon that were about women, but they weren't quite like this. So I'm hoping that this sort of thing keeps happening at cons because it's important. I do take Heidi's point, however, and I think it's Heidi who's making it. I'm sorry, when you're listening to the the panel, it's hard to tell sometimes who's talking. And since I wasn't there, I can't really identify the voices. So listen close when they each introduce themselves at the beginning, and then you can sort of tell who's talking later on. But, uh, you know... There sh- we shouldn't have to have panels about women in comics, essentially. It should just be comics, and the artists should be who the artists are. And on any panel, there should be men, and there should be women, and there should be white people, and there should be non-white people, and there should be straight people and gay people. I mean, it should always be a mixture, which is never what you get most of the time. And, you know, it sucks that there have to be panels about black people in comics, too, or black artists in comics, because everybody understands that um, straight, balding white guys are pretty much the norm. So, yeah, it shouldn't have to be like that. But for the time being, let's roll with it and see what these women have to say. Um, I did want to make one comment. Um, I think, again, I'm not sure who was telling the story about having to take a self-empowerment class where you learn to walk on hot coals. And, um, you know, walking on hot coals is not magic. 
it's not that hard to do, and you can find a little bit of information about it online. It's just a trick. And, you know, yeah, it takes a lot of courage to make yourself overcome this innate fear of really hot things that could burn your feet. But the truth is, if you walk across them with dry feet very quickly, you're not going to get burned. So um, it's not magic. I just want you all to know that. (laughs) So next time, uh, we're going to be back with real reviews, including... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I've been reading and I'm really, really enjoying. And also Five Fists of Science, which I'm also really enjoying. And a bunch of other stuff that I've been looking at as well. So until next time, gang, please enjoy this recording of this Women in Comics panel. And I will see you all, hopefully not in a month, much, much sooner than that. Generations of Women Cartoonists panel. Um, I will introduce myself and then I'll allow the panelists uh, to introduce themselves. Although I'll, I'll, I'll give them a sh- actually I'll give them a short intro and then I'll give my little preamble and we can get going. So my name is Heidi McDonald. I am uh, a uh, blogger, uh, editor for uh, Publishers Weekly, and uh, recently I got a uh, editor some graphic novels for Fox Atomic which is a movie studio, which is doing graphic novels and Robert Collins. So, you know, many different hats for me. Um, to my left, we have Svetlana Shmokova, uh, who I hope I pronounced it correctly, the, uh, the mangaka of DramaCon, and uh, she also does some comics for Cosmo Girl and other places, many other places. And to her left, we have Rivka, another uh, Tokyo pop superstar with Steady Beat. And then on the far left, we have Amanda Connor of um, Power Girl and, you know, untold number of wonderful comics. So um, I think in the program book, this is called Four Generations of Women Cartoonists, and um, two. we have two here. I mean, not to give anyone's, you know, lady should never discuss age, but, you know, we'll say we have two. And um, we were supposed to have Ramona was supposed to be here, and... Um, so she would definitely have been three, and um, June Brigman would be four. But uh, I, again, I don't even know if Julie and Ramona are here, to be honest. So, um, but we'll get going. I want to say, ah, oh, here comes yet another. Here comes, yay. here comes, yay, Colleen. No, 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 Colleen, don't run, don't run. No, run, run. I feel cool. Like a superhero. If a freelancer wouldn't like to just do you want to spread these down? Jesus Christ, this convention is about to... So we finally have a new panelist uh, here, Colleen Doran, who is the artist of um, A Distant Soil and um, Book of Lost Souls, so many things. And actually, she and I are, she's doing some work for me now, back that I, and my editing guys. Um, I was going to say, Colleen, you got here just in time, because I'm about to give my little spiel, which was that this is the women cartoonist, and I have said over the years many, many, many times 
that there should be a woman on every panel, not a panel for every woman. Mm-hmm. And I felt, uh, you know, that they were doing a lot of actual panels about women here. It's really great. There was a panel about books for women readers, and yesterday was one I'm also moderating called uh, Mothers and Daughters, and, you know, this one. So uh, even though I feel like having, you know, a women's panel is a little bit of a backslide in some ways, I felt that there were so many great women cartoonists here that it's a good idea. But I don't actually want to you know, dwell on that. And, and knowing the uh, panelists here, I don't think, um, well, we'll ask them. We'll ask them what they think. But, you know, we don't really need to, to dwell on, on gender here, I don't think. But I will start out with asking one question that does go. And we'll start from the path, uh, the first, gen- the most recent generation, and we'll work down the line here so we can go in reverse time here and just ask about breaking into comics, how you became a cartoonist, and whether you felt that, um, you know, how you felt that your gender affected that breaking in as a professional cartoonist. So, Svetlana? Um, I was actually, can you hear that? Yes. Uh, I was actually scouted in an online community by Tokyo Pop. I had a webcomic um, in on Girlomatic. I had a manga-style webcomic, and they... Um, uh, Girlomatic is um, a comics collective um, which focuses on comics for girls, mostly. Um, so yeah, Tokyo Pop found me there, and did, that, did my gender affect my uh, beginning of my career? I didn't really feel that. But that's, from what I understand, it's because the time that we came in, things were already very different. And because I drew manga, something that is uh, widely uh, perceived as something that has a very large uh, female audience. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, it was actually to my advantage that I was a girl. Um, I got started in webcomics at first. Um, my series that I have published now, City Beat, was originally a webcomic, and I went out to Los Angeles and pitched it to Tokyo Pop. And I guess that the premise was something they were looking for. I write, uh, it's basically for teenage girls. And at the time, their biggest selling comics were shoujo. And I think a lot of it was just happy coincidence. I wasn't act- effectively, you know, looking for, you know, to wasn't looking specifically to be, you know, a girl in comics. You know, I never saw any difference between uh, <coughs> being a woman or being a guy um, as far as, you know, how that helps your career. But, I don't know, it almost seems like it was an advantage being a girl. So, and then whether or not that actually affects anything, I don't know, it makes me want to, it does make me work harder because I know that there aren't a lot of comics out there for girls, especially American girls, because most of what's out there is for Japanese girls. I think that's why that's one of the great things about the internet is that you know people can find you, yeah, and you know, and they can appreciate you for your artwork, you know, which I think is really good. <laughs> Me getting into comics, that was um, I actually don't think I had a hard time getting into comics because I went to the Qbert School and they warned all of us, boys and girls alike, that we were all going to have a really hard time getting into comics, just because that's the the 
general way, the American comics, I don't know how it is with like manga or anything like that, but with American comics, there, there's just not that many artists. It's so, you know, when, when you think about it compared to like the, you know, movie industry or any other kind of industry, it's a really small, small industry. And they just told us it was going to be really hard, so I expected it to be really hard. And uh, I, I just, it never occurred to me that it was about being a girl. It was just about having a hard time breaking into comics. So they told us that we had to be tenacious about it, and so I was. You know, I figured, okay, I just keep going back and again and again and again before they finally give me something. And that's what I did. I went to Marvel and DC Comics and kept showing them work like five or six times before they finally went, all right, all right, you know, pass the work. <laughs> Here, here's an 11-page story. So. So that's how I got in. I was just, you know, a bulldog about it. So, huh? am I the, really the oldest woman here? <laughs> oh God. Um, well, no, you're not. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll be truthful. It used to really suck for women in comics. With, without reservation, it used to be hideous and horrible. Now that doesn't mean I had trouble actually getting a job because I got jobs immediately. I've been working since I was a teenager. I got my first jobs when I was still in high school. That doesn't alter the fact that once we got in, we were pretty, pretty much treated like dirt. Um, when I say it now, nobody believes me, but they used to say, girls can't draw comics, period. That, that's what they used to tell everybody, girls can't draw comics. And I remember the last time I heard it was at a show you and I were both at in Pasadena. That you, somebody said it to you then? They actually said, so you're the other chick artist, because you were also there. <laughs> How old was this guy? I, you know, he was you know, one of Saturn's moons, one of those guys. <laughs> you, know, just, <laughs> you know, horrible fanboy story, his picture, one of those. And what was great about it is if it happened 15 years ago, everybody would have snickered and thought it was really funny. This time, everybody looked at him in horror and went, oh, that's great. And I'm like, oh, it's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. See, I wouldn't have done this panel 10 years ago. I wouldn't have done this panel because this was Girl Cootie panel. This was the chick ghetto. This is where you went because you couldn't get anywhere else. And if you were on this panel, this meant you were a loser. <laughs> I, sh I, I was about to say, I shit you not, but that's pretty. So I say, I can't <laughs> There's any kids in here, so you can just, you know. Okay, I shoot it up. I <laughs> but it's true. You did not want to be on the girls' panel. When I would get offered jobs like Barbie, I would refuse them. Because if you got the Barbie job, that was all you were going to get. And it wouldn't last long. So I would take Hellraiser. Because it was anti-Barbie. You would, you would lose some of your girl cooties. It was really horrible and really funny. And every time you went to conventions, you got hit on all the time. It was just tedious and awful. And now I go and I have to wait to get in the toilet, which is completely funky. I was, I was running to the bathroom today, and I'm like... What is this strange phenomenon? There are women in front of me. What are you doing here? I, I really got to go. <laughs> you know, you have to plan time to go to the toilet now, which you just never had to do. And there's competition to get to the mirror. <laughs> and, you know, if you need hygiene products, they're there. And there just wasn't anything before. There was nobody. There was nobody in the room. I remember going to conventions where I was the only woman in the room, which sounds like it would be an advantage. 
but it wasn't because you got all the shit. You got a lot of attention you didn't really deserve, but it wasn't always good attention. And I've actually had to spend years and years draining myself of bitterness and hostility because there's just not that big a problem anymore. Thank you for breaking them down for us. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the scars on my back. <laughs> well, I, I'm, you know, I mean, it is interesting because, you know, when you hear stories of people who had to struggle more, and I mean, how does that make you guys feel, you know? Like, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> I'm appreciative. I've, I've actually been uh, following Colleen's uh, board for a few years, and that's where I learned all about the history of what it's like to be a girl back when. <laughs> so, but I know I'm not alone. Everybody went through it. Yeah, everybody. I remember getting a taste of it at Wizard World Chicago, which was much more of a boys' club, and being like one of the only girls there. And get guys would like walk by, and they would actually like they were drawn to the va- to the table for the fact that I was female and wasn't like I wasn't ugly at least. But um, that was it was very odd because I'd only been really to manga and anime conventions. That was the first time I've ever been in the American comic fanboy community, and it was definitely felt like a fish out of water. So you did feel like I mean it was like. You know, you. Uh, what do you think? Let me let me ask. I, I mean, like I said, I really honestly don't even want to have four wonderful, talented cartoonists like this. You know, it seems silly to to dwell on other things. So I, I don't want to ask too many questions about the gender thing, and I, I will throw it open. But uh, let me ask: Why do you think it changed? You know, what was the difference? How? You know, what 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 changed? I think the, I think part of it was Tokyo Pop, actually, because they or just manga in general, because so many new stories. I remember, you know, being in high school, and I was drawn into comics because of Sailor Moon. And it was these comics from Japan. That was my very first exposure to comics. I did not start reading American comics until after I started reading Japanese comics. And that was a big deal. And most of the girls that I know now were my age were influenced by Japanese manga. So they didn't even have, it wasn't even a question, in other words. It was just... It was, it was there. It's just natural. Yeah. So, anyone else? Anyone else have any thoughts? I, I just, I think, um, I think probably a lot of girls, you know, realize that there's a huge untapped market of single men. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's get in the comics. And I always used to tell guys, I'm like, guys, you don't want to drive away the girls because you actually find a girlfriend that's got the same interests as you. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if American comics are that much better off. I mean, I guess there are... A, Pretty significant more amount of girls reading American comics, but I know there's like scads more reading manga. Like you know, it's like everybody used to uh, say, "Oh, you know, how do we get girls interested in comic books?" And I'm like, "Make them smaller and thick, you know, so you can stick them in a purse and read them on the train, and you know, make them digest size, and you know, make some good character grip-driven stories." And, I think a lot of times they looked at me kind of funny, and then manga came along, and surprise! <laughs> and it seems like any attempts by DC or Marvel to do girls' comics have just kind of failed miserably in the past. Yeah. And I don't know, like, they got a lot of guys to write and to... Well, the thing is, is, like, like I've noticed, like, it's kind of but I don't know, women focus on different things when they read comics. Like, I focus on expressions. Whereas a lot of men focus more on body language. And you see that looking at comics drawn by guys and comics drawn by girls. And this is generalization, of course. But I prefer comics drawn by women because they tend to focus on facial expressions. The characters. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's important. I, I like that. I, that's my favorite thing to do is facial expressions. Yeah. I like doing that. Well, I, I, they made it a self-fulfilling prophecy because repeatedly over the years, both Marvel and DC tried to start up lines for girls' comics. And then they all sat around and said, girls don't buy comics, girls don't buy comics, girls don't buy comics, and they killed them. I mean, over and over and over again. None of you saw it, none of you remember it, but Marvel had the Harlequin romance license, and they actually had Mary Wilshire and Ernie Cologne doing um, comics which were never published. They, put, they, they, they kept doing this stuff over and over, and I know because I've worked on some of this stuff, where they would have you put together a package, and then they'd all sit around and decide why it wouldn't sell, and then they'd stick it in a drawer, and it would never get published. And uh, many times, the decisions about who got the jobs were not necessarily based on who would be best for the job. Back, I'm, I'm not kidding. I know this sounds absolutely wacky. But if, if a girl artist would come up for a job, this happened over and over and over. Well, we've got this freelancer over here, and he's got a wife and kids, and he's got family to support, and you don't have a family, and he really needs the job, so you don't get the job, and they give it to the guy. But, you know, he's drawing Harlequin romances, for God's sake, and he's been drawing superheroes for the last 15 years. And he's, you know, you get the job, and then they wonder why the licensor wouldn't like it. Yeah. It was just batty. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I wish for Ramona were here because I mean, I know she did raise a family, you know, while she was drawing Metamorpho. I mean, you know, she had to feed her family too, <laughs> oddly enough, by her art. Um, I'd, I'd like, um, what is uh, kind of a little bit of conjunction question, but I mean, in doing the kind of material that, what, what, what was it? I mean, obviously, you know, Colleen had a different story, but what was, what were the stories that you wanted to tell? that made it worth getting into this field, you know, for all of you? What was the story that you personally felt you had to tell, comics-wise? Well, for me, it's telling, like, I love comics, but they're such a visual medium because I can show the architecture of where I live, I can show the time period, I can show so many things that you don't really get a feel of in a book. Like, I think that was a big draw for me to love Japanese comics growing up because I got a feel of a different culture. Whereas, like, now I draw comics, it, they all take place in Texas, in my hometown. I can reference buildings. I love being able to share that with people, not just the stories, but also the visuals. But also, for me, like, stories are huge. Like, I would love to break into novels as well. And it's like, I love very heartwarming stories. Like, I want to do, I'm actually writing a children's novel right now. And it's just... I love being able to share. Like, when I see comics, I see so much, you know, pow, bang. I see all these gritty comics out there. And I want to write stuff for kids. I want to write stuff for teenage girls. And, you know, I have message stuff that I believe in. That's why I do comics. Because I want to share my the experiences that I've had and help other girls or teenagers or children go through experiences that I've had but without having to actually experience it themselves. They don't have to go through all that hardship. They know how to handle these things when they approach it because... It's been, they've read about it. They know how to approach it. Svetlana, how about you? What was the story you wanted to tell? Um, there wasn't actually a particular story. Writing is something I've always done, and I have, uh, have uh, all kinds of ideas for stories, not just uh, calls for girls. And this is going to sound really cheesy, but I would like to make the world a better place <laughs> through my books. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to write entertaining stories with like a deep underlying message. Yeah. That's it, really. So just, I mean, it was really just, you know, wanting to tell stories, period. Yeah. You know. It's like you can be entertaining while educating people. Mm-hmm. How about you, Amanda? I, I'm, you guys, you guys have 
So you have such high. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty simple. I'm like, you mean I get to draw all day? And get paid? Awesome. <laughs> that that was pretty much it for me. And and uh, I, I guess like going into another art field just wouldn't have been as satisfying as being able to just just draw comics. Man, I just love comics. I always did when I was a kid. I read comics and. The idea of being able to do it really appealed to me. I mean, I've been in other forms of, you know, art. Like, I've done advertising, which which I'll tell you now, I think a lot of, the, a huge reason a lot of girls don't go into regular American comics is because they go to art school, they find out what they can get paid by how much work they put into comics, and what they can get paid by going into advertising and doing one illustration, and they go... Screw this! I'm not doing comics. I'm gonna go make money, and it just seems like there's a lot of uh, yeah, of women that I guess are just a lot more financially smart than I am, <laughs> you know. But I, you know, I, I, yeah, I think nowadays it's not so much about girls being kept out of comics. I think uh, we're lucky now that way, but um, but I think uh, you know the reason there just aren't as many is they, I think they make other choices. They they don't choose to get into comics because it's a lot of hard work, but it's really fun. It's got to be one of the best jobs in the world, you know, next to action star. <laughs> or, or like somebody who, you know, one of those guys on TV that goes and sees animals in Africa and wrestles <laughs> snakes. It's got to be one of the up there with those jobs. So, did I answer the question or did I just ramble? <laughs> Colleen, you were, you, like you just said a couple of minutes ago, you were just a teenager. So what, yeah. was your, what was your motivation? I had a crush on Aquaman. <laughs> no, I'm really not kidding. I fell in love with comics because I'm a big crush on Aquaman. I used to watch Super Friends and I'm like, oh, Aquaman. <laughs> and I started getting, you know, adventure comics starring Aquaman. It was my first comic book subscription. And then I got the Justice League because Aquaman's in it. He's kind of hot. He is hot. He's all slick. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I had a big crush on Aquaman, and that's what got me into comics. And that is really embarrassing to admit, but it's true. And I started doing my own stories and art when I was about 12. And for better or for worse, um, I started showing it around to publishers when I was about 15, and they picked it up. I'll be darned. And I'm still doing it. Which is either you know, I signed a tenacity or obsessive compulsive disorder, but um, I would uh, sit there in my little room for hours and hours and hours at a time and um, just draw. And I would literally draw the same page over and over and over and over, trying to get it right. And I would rub holes through the paper, you know, and just erasing over and over. And once a hole was in the paper, I'd start off on a clean sheet of paper, and <laughs> I literally had like eight different versions of the same page. I was just so tenacious. It was, it was really kind of disturbing. <laughs> but I, I, um, I, I got hired pretty early on, which I don't necessarily recommend because all my crappy stuff is in print. And um, an early validation for not necessarily very good work is not always a good thing. You, you need to you need to be able to grow and develop, and uh, I think not having too much early success might have been very good for me because I didn't f- 
decide that I was set on a certain way of drawing or looking and wasn't given a lot of reinforcement for that was okay. I knew I needed to improve, so I did. So uh, I, I've literally been doing the same comics since I was 12 years old. And like I said, I, I for better or for worse. So That's a, a distant soil. Yeah, it is. So you, um, it, it actually didn't, it, it didn't actually come out until I was about 16 or 17, I did a little self-publishing thing, and then and then a publisher did it when I was 19. So you've been working on that for, you know... Let's not mention... Many years. Thank you. Several years. Several years. And, um, but I mean, how do you ever feel like working on something? I mean, obviously, probably when you were 17, your worldview was a lot different than it is now. I, mean, I had no idea what it was yeah. So do you ever feel like working on this, you know, now as a, as a grown-up? Does it, is it ever difficult? Um, yeah. There were a couple of times where I could not work on it. I had so many negative neuro associations with, uh, uh, with it that uh, I went into vapor lock every time I sat down to work on it. I, I worked my way through that. I went to like motivational seminars where you have to walk across hot coals and blah, 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 and <laughs> you have to, you know, skydive. I have to go skydiving to face my fear of the blank piece of paper. Um, <laughs> Which, you know, if you can jump out of a plane, you can do anything. Jesus Christ. So um, so now that I've walked across hot coals, I can I can draw a comic book. And, um, What's that plane, the hot coal? <laughs> it feels like hot rice krispies. <laughs> it really does. You, you don't feel it. I swear to God, it's really, really weird. First of all, they push you because it's a motivational seminar, so they give you some motivation. You fall? No, it falls. <laughs> I, I, I guess they have lawyers, but... That's the motivation. <laughs> feel hot up, across, up, up near your face, but you don't feel hot at your feet. It's really weird. You've got this air, this very, very hot air coming up your face, and it's burning your face. But your feet are not hot, and you're wow. and it's crunchy. And you're, you so crunch, crunch, crunch. So when you get uh-huh. to the end, they make you step on, like, wet seaweed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is, is being on hot sands at the beach worse? Being on hot sand at the beach was worse. Yes. It, it's really strange. It is not hot. Now, I got a cold stuck between my toes. And when I was finished, that was hot. But oddly enough, walking on it wasn't hot. It was, it was a very strange experience. It's, and it's crunchy. It does. It's like, wow, it sounds just like I'm eating Rice Krispies. That's really funky. Anyway, that was non sequitur. Um, Sorry. I forgot what I was saying. Well, uh, basically, you just said that drawing a distant soil all these years is like walking on hot coals. Yes, it, yes, it was. And um, I realized after a while that I've, I've, I'm so attached to it and I was falling in love with it that I was writing one long fanfic. And I had to smack myself in the face and go, you know what, this is just rambling. I've got to get a hold of the story. And I was... was this is funny and crude. You'll like this, Amanda. <laughs> I was on the phone with Jeff Smith going, boo, 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 boo. I, I can't get a hold of my story. And he finally says, well, what are you trying to say, Colleen? Why are you rambling with the story? What are you trying to say? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll get a hold of myself. I went to the bathroom. That's where I get all my good ideas. I, t- I went to the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I went, Eureka! And I, I, while I was there, I dumped a load of story. I literally... <laughs> I quite literally edited out a huge section of story, and I had to run back, like, Jeff, I just, because we used to have these epic phone calls where we'd be on the phone for like eight hours and we'd have to take bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have the phone down or did you call back? But we have to call back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was in the bathroom, I dumped a low story, ran back, called Jeff, and was like, 
I figured it out. And it was like, I was in the bathroom. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. So anyway, these these little rushes of inspiration happen. And that keeps you going for another. And I was so happy. You know what? I haven't had a problem with it since. All right. Isn't that funny? Good job. <laughs> your um, comic drama con, bestseller, your best-selling one, the drama con, is the uh, anime convention, comic con convention romance. So how did you research that story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the romance part. The romance part. I never did a cosplayer. <laughs> Actually, well, I've been doing the anime concert for several years before I actually got noticed by Tokyo Pop, so I had a lot of uh, first-hand experience to put in the book. Uh, my experience was mostly from the trenches of the artist deli, which it's, it's full of its own woes and tale of horror. Um, so that was just, uh, I went to conventions. Mm-hmm. And saw people messing up and having all these aborted romances and right. never telling the right guy they liked them. First hand experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you develop the story for it though? I mean, it's a, it's a three volumes, number three volumes, or? Uh, three volumes. There's a possibility of more, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the first three volume arc will be self contained. Do you have the whole story worked out already? Or? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Knows where she's going. I don't know. Have you talked? I don't know if you've announced. I know you have a new project. I heard. I don't know if it's been announced yet. So. I don't know either. But I think it's supposed to be. Announced. If I could come out in the email, if I could check my email, I could tell you if it's been announced yet. So, what do you want to talk about anyway? I, I think it was coming out today. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I no, I'm better not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 Ada, check the go check comments. We see if we can. No, I'm just saying. That's our intern at Comics Week. Has anybody got any questions for this this panel here, front row? Uh, yeah, what do you think of the new DC Minx line? Maybe they actually showed it to us. <laughs> I think I may be the only person who actually likes it. I, I heard people had a problem with the name, and I thought it was really cute. So, And I look forward, like, I love... Um, the work of Derek Kirkham and some of the other authors that they have, so I just I look forward to it personally. Well, it's certainly better than the initiative they've taken in the past with their girls' comics. I mean, the biggest thing for me is that they're actually going to a thicker format, and that they're acknowledging you know black and white's okay for girls, and that they're going like some of the styles that I've seen. I didn't pick one up. Um, that the styles are definitely they aren't superhero styles. You know, they do look more appealing. Um, but I don't know. I haven't really gotten to read any of them yet, so I can't. You can't really form an opinion until you've actually read it and seen it. Yeah, I think the first one they have advanced copies of, which is now King James, right by Cecil. Oh, I saw a little bit. The quality yeah. didn't seem quite as well. I mean, I'm a huge Jim Rock fan. He's the artist on it, so. Yeah, I, I mean that they'll have to get a lot of kinks, but they'll probably work yeah. it out. I mean, it's just something that's developing still. Just, just, I mean, that's a huge. Just getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that's a huge initiative, you know. Like in doing, DC is really stepping up to the plate and saying, um, <laughs> "Oh, let's put some money behind trying to to get." That. I mean, like Colleen was talking earlier about how 
they, they really have an endless, like, sitting around the room saying, let's do Promise for Girls things, and they never got off the ground. So this is something that's been in the works a while, and, you know, they're putting some marketing muscle behind it. So well, marketing is almost the biggest step that they've taken from the company, because they're not trying to do it themselves. Well, I, I mean, it is, it is a little ironic in that, you know, oh, we're breaking the mold, and, you know, it's like, oh, I, I don't know if anyone's ever sold Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, like, oh, it's all new. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I'm bad. I, I get I get call boxes from DC, but I'm kind of behind in my work, so I haven't had anything lately. I just wake up, make coffee, draw, 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 go to the bathroom, draw, 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 eat something, draw, 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 and then go to sleep. So I had I saw the cover of it, and it looked really cool. Though. It's a, it's a cute. I read it. It's a cute. Is story. it? It's I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it'll be out in April, I think. So cool. Um, you had a question in front there. Well, do you, do you think it's also they don't know what the audience is? More, I, I, I mean, now we got women who make comics. We have publishers who want to make comics for girls and women. It seems like they don't know what girls and women can handle in a, in a book. And it drives me nuts. Girls like many different things. Because I can look at Finder, and Finder is one of the best books out there. And you know, and he does true stories. Sorry. Well, he does true. He's the creator of true stories. Yeah, I. But um, it's. I like the fact they want to smash down the barrier, but once you're once you smash the barrier down, you got to serve it something, you know. And it's they don't seem to know what they want on the menu to read, and it, that drives me crazy. Also, I, I think girls just want to read good yeah. stories, you know. It doesn't. It can be superheroes. It can be non-superheroes. As long as it's really well written, good characters, you know. I, I think a lot of the stuff that. You know, the reason that a lot of girls don't read a lot of the American... I mean, they do read some of the American comics, but it's all the same story over and over again. You know, this bad guy breaks out of this prison and threatens this city, and and this good guy has to go beat the shit out of him. And and it's good, I mean, it's good, but it's like, put put a little characterization in, because it is the same thing over and over and over. But at the same time, I think that it's the, the publishers think that women and girls want to read just does he love me or not love me? Well, and can they take the fight scene and yeah, can they handle that? But I don't think the publishers think that. I don't think they, they know no. what women and girls can handle yeah. in the book. Here's something interesting. A huge amount of girls like the pro. <laughs> which... <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. And I was thinking, alright, it's got TNA, it's got bloody beatings, it's got um, golden showers, it's mm-hmm. got... <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise. Uh, the superhero prostitute, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, got, it's got money shots that are deadly at air traffic, it's got all sorts of you know really, really raunchy things, but there was a really fun story behind it, and I think I think women just like the character because they can identify with her, even if she's a hooker, you know, it's like they can go, geez, I know what it's like to have to feed the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know what it's like to have to go up and work two jobs. And, you know, she's she's a lot more realistic than, like, a superheroine that just stands there and poses and then knocks yeah. somebody in the teeth. She was filthy. Yeah. And a lot of girls, are, you know, people think, oh, girls don't want filthy. Yes, I'm like, But, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys come up to me and they're like, yeah, my girlfriend loves this. Yeah. It just needs it's a good story. It doesn't matter what it is as long as it's a really fun story. Yeah. You know? That's what I think. You know, like, 
got a question back there. I don't want to come up here. concept of strong women. What is a strong woman? And I think one of the biggest problems we run across is that when they're trying to, you know, when Marvel and DC are trying to interpret what a strong woman is, they think a woman who can kick ass, who's physically strong. And to me, a strong woman who's very self-assured, mentally strong, emotionally strong. And that's the kind of strong woman I want to see. It's, yeah. She doesn't have to kick ass. Yeah. Um, Do you think that there can be more stories where you're going with, it, with the concept of, like, a strong mentally mentally their character who's also female and young because I think that's what we're looking for because if when I was 15 I didn't have that you know that's why I love Sailor Moon growing up because even though everybody looks at it and was such just like kind of cliche manga stereotypical waving her toys around you know banishing the bad guys it actually had a character that grew she started out as a very immature character, and she became a very strong-willed. She stood up for herself, for friends. There was a lot of self-sacrifice. And to me, that was actually a role model. She didn't stay the same through the whole series. She grew up emotionally. And even though she kicked a lot of ass in it, that wasn't what I found intriguing. It was the emotional growth. I think maybe what started it for me was Ripley from Alien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there were, you know, there were, I've read Supergirl. change a lot through time because it's funny you mentioned Ripley because I was at Toy Fair and a couple weeks ago and I was looking at all the, you, you know, there's been a lot of online stuff just about, you know, DC did these modified versions of the female characters and I have to be honest, if you look at DC's female characters and Marvels, they don't wear a lot of clothes nowadays. They're just very revealing costumes. Some people like it's empowering, whatever. I mean, that's for whatever. It's a fashion change. And there was a Ripley toy from Aliens where she's in the robo suit yeah. and 
And like she's wearing a jumpsuit that's like zipped up to here, and I'm like, wow, when did that change? You know, nowadays if they made that movie, her jumpsuit would have been ripped off. She'd be in the guinea tee. Yeah, you know. I mean, she was in her underwear in the first movie, so I'm not saying they didn't, but you know. Um, it, it is like nowadays. It's like you would never see a female character who was who was dressed. Was, I think, you know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking. You know, I'm, I'm looking back at my childhood, and I love female characters. And each, you know, they were a lot more rare than male characters. And any Wonder Woman I could get my hands on. I, I even had um, my parents, who were artists, had this poster board that was silver, and I made. Um, little wristbands out of it, and my brother had a little pellet gun with little green pellets in it, and I'd have him shoot at me, and I'd be, I'd just, ow, 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 you know, and then I'd get one or two. And so Wonder Woman was, and, and Catwoman, every time I watched the old Batman TV show, oh, yeah. like, Catwoman, I wanted to see Catwoman all the time, and Batgirl, you know? I love You know, so, yeah, I think as far as TV goes, you know, there, there have been a lot of, and, you know, like really strong female characters, just not as prevalent as it's been in the last 10 or 15 years. Mark gets some more questions. Actually, mine is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Actually, mine is more just a piece of information, commentary, what have you. There's so much you've been talking about. I spend way too much time working at home as well, and TV run and keeps your company out, you know. And uh, there was a thing on, I think it was Discovery or Science Channel, one of the things, and they were saying the, the strongest men in the world, and they were saying it has nothing to do, you don't see these bodybuilders, it's a whole different thing. You get these um, uh, men that look like huge beer bellies and the whole thing, and they, but they've just got this strength in them. And then there are women who are doing that as well now. And they say, actually, the strongest woman in the world put up against the strongest man in the world, if all things being equal, say, a man can lift like, you know, Ten times its weight, hundred. She could lift like five hundred times the weight. They say there's something about the female uh, anatomy, the way the whole thing works, that actually one against the other, and the woman would actually be physically the stronger one, pound for pound, and, yeah, stronger. And the thing about it was, she wasn't this big, and she didn't have the beer belly. Yeah, I mean, she just she looked like a normal walking around. You would never know this woman was like the strongest woman in the world. So, you know, keep in mind, just as you know, artists, you, know, you don't have to have got a woman. You know, that's a composition I'd like to see on TV. The same weight, the same height and everything. Yeah, same. she was little. She was this little thing, you know, and she just looked like, eh, 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 nothing. So anyway, let's take my two cents in Well, you know, that is just, the guys don't have to bear children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's all of that right there. Um, Listening to all of you talk about the kind of comics you like, what it's like to be a girl in comics, I was lucky. I didn't have the creepy comic book guy, you know, uh, it was a married couple, senior couple who ran my comic book shop. They're really nice. Um, I was reading superhero comics because I really liked superheroes. And this might be something for Svetlana and Rivka. Rivka. And you two to comment on more than Amanda and Colleen. Like, do you feel like if you're in a comic book shop, you get recommended like, oh, here's Strangers in Paradise, here's <laughs> this manga, and you're in there because you want to pay, pick up the latest X Factor. Do you feel that that's something that happened to you? And also a question for the Sailor Moon reader. Do you think Pluto's lost her powers now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not responding to the any fangirl question. <laughs> it turned out to be a geek. <laughs> Anybody here we can talk about it. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so did you find yourself being recommended the stereotypical? I never was recommended anything when I went to comic book stores. Like I liked the comic book store that I went to because it was actually in a house, 
and had big windows and wood floors. It was really pretty. It had a really big manga section. It's all untranslated manga. Um, I actually taught myself Japanese so I could read manga because it's the only thing that offered good stories, at least for me. Sugoi. Sugoi is me. Anyway, um, I don't know. Like they, I most of the stuff I found girls on the shelves. Like my first exposure to American comics were Strangers in Paradise and Cheat, which was, what was the name of the artist again? I have Christine Nori. Yeah, which I love. Her, her art her art's absolutely amazing. And uh, I was browsing, looking through the shelves, and I don't know, I don't think, there was a lot of just finding things on my own, and I don't remember ever getting any weird looks for being a girl in a comic book shop, and I don't know, I worked very briefly in a comic book shop in Austin called Austin Books, because they wanted a girl there who could recommend books to other girls, who knew manga specifically, but also was a female reader. Thank you. The next question there? Oh, yes, Svetlana. Um, my experience has been pretty much the same. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to say Svetlana and Rukko, you're some of the biggest inspirations because I want to draw manga style comics myself. So, seeing two women drawing manga style comics and being really successful makes me like, feel like I can do it as well. <laughs> and um, my other question is, um, it's like, American, there's like American comics for girls and there's like Japanese comics for girls. Like, do you think like there's like a major difference between the two? Like between American comics and Japanese comics? Like American comics for girls and like Japanese comics for girls. I mean, he used to do Barbie comics, but we got bored of that really quick. <laughs> um, I mean, Power Girl. Power Girl. Like, uh, girls, girls like Power Girl. Yeah, I mean, it's, guys like it too, you know, it's... For other reasons. Yeah. Like Painkiller Jane? Painkiller Jane, yeah. That's a, that's a really... That's a... Yeah, that's like a different kind of... That's, yeah, girls do like Painkiller Jane, you know, even though it's like really bloody and kind of tough. And, you know the show coming out. the show coming out. I'm hoping girls like it. The girls' comics in Japan, there's, like, the shoujo. I mean, in Japan, manga comics are a much bigger industry, and it's offered a lot more genres. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry in Japan, whereas over here, it's a multi-million dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little bit of a difference. And, uh, like, in Japan, you see a lot of shoujo, which is, a lot of it's just girls in school. And over here, a lot of the girl stuff that you see tends to be mostly from the They market as girl stuff, like, um... Like Marvel and DC, they're female characters. It's all like a lot of it's superhero stuff. But um, there is like a lot of the indie stuff too that's been moving. Actually, Scholastic puts out some really good ones that I like, like the Babysitters Club. And uh, the new one, this new one that I picked up. Ah, oh, Breaking Up. Breaking Up. Yeah. Actually, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, some of the best girls' comics that I've seen come out in the US lately have not been from any publishers. It's, well, they've been coming out from book publishers like Scholastic. Um, Doray's actually looking into bringing in original stuff. And there's all these other publishers. Penguin is actually looking, or Puffin's looking to do adaptations of classics. And it just seems like the girl stuff is coming out from these other publishers. Like, you don't really see it. But I don't know, I think it would be a while before we still see it. I mean, just as an observer, I mean, the tradition is so much older in Japan. You know, you have the, now I'm going to show the generation of the 49ers. Is that what they're called? The yeah. 49ers, which was this whole generation of, of women cartoonists. And 
uh, who just rewrote the rules of shoujo and, and other genres as well. But I mean, there's actually, if you research it, there's been women cartoonists who are very successful in Japan back in the 40s, which, you know, we don't have as much of here in, in America. They don't have quite the tradition. So they're just a little bit more comfortable doing it, you know. I, in my opinion, as an observer, that. Do you have any comments on that? American versus Japanese. Well, um, I'm listening. I mean, they said 49ers were all women who were born around the 40s, yeah. but there really weren't shoujo comics. Right, there weren't shoujo, but I mean, there was a couple of, there were, uh, there was at least one. Well, there was, yeah. Tezuka did a comic right. called Princess Light, right. Right. which was shoujo, but of course it was done by man, but... Um, the United States has uh, a strong tradition of female cartoonists in the newspaper. Yeah. Actually, but in before the 40s, like the 20s. Uh, well, that would be the newspaper. Yeah. Was that, that, that okay? Those <laughs> comic books didn't exist in the 1920s. Um, so that, those were all newspaper cartoonists. So uh, there, were, there were some very, very famous ones. Rosa O'Neill was one of the most famous women in the world, the yeah. richest. And she was cartoonist. She created the Cupids, you know, Cupid doll. They were very, very popular in good housekeeping. Ladies of the Journal, I think. I may be wrong about that, but uh, I was a big fan of her from a collector of her work. So, um, yeah, but uh, I, I think the big thing was in the 1950s, while the United States was systematically and purposefully dismantling its comic book industry, and while television was kind of the primary source of entertainment, Japan had a devastated economy and a populace who could not afford to buy anything. What they could afford to do was they could afford to rent comic books with roughly 30,000 comic book rental shops at the time. And you ended up with generations of Japanese people learning comics as their primary form of entertainment while you have generations of Americans learning television as their primary form of entertainment. So you don't see a vast tradition of worldwide popularity in Japanese television entertainment, but you do see it in America. And you see a vast array of manga as the hit worldwide uh, coming from Japan, but um, you know, you're not seeing as much of it in the United States. I mean, of course you've got phenomenons
Yeah, they just, uh, I think Comic Space just now has a way where you can syndicate your, your strips there too, right? Yeah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's kind of testing beta. So, I mean, the great thing about web comics is that you just, you know, can reach everyone in the world who has computer in theory. So, you know, any, anyone else out there? Question? Yeah? Well? When we can find each other, yeah. <laughs> like, I email all the other creators, like Tokyo Pop, all the girl creators who work for them, like email them, and like I keep in contact with you. And, like, y'all are like my best friends. So I wish we all lived in like the same city and could have this big studio. And that's definitely encouraging. You yes. can do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, I just throw in, I mean, anyone should go down to the Tokyo Pop booth. I mean, there's so many, you know, you too, but I mean, I, there's just a ton of, they are so supportive of women cartoonists and, you know, like coming along, the next generation is just amazing. So, you know, I really, really got an end to that. So, well, I think we're just about out of time here, and um, I'd like to thank our everybody for coming and our fine, wonderful panelists. <laughs>